Welcome to our podcast on the French insolvency law reform. I'm Carole Nagararion, one of the partners in charge of restructuring and insolvency team at Linklater's Paris. And I'm Etienne Lupio, an associate of the team. In this podcast, we will have a look at the recent legislative changes of French insolvency law, which transpose the European Directive on Preventive Restructuring Frameworks and which entered into force on 1st October 2021. And there is quite a lot to cover. So let's get started. Agreed. Um, Etienne, could you tell us in a snapshot what are the key changes to French insolvency law that this reform has introduced? Sure. Obviously, the main change lies in the replacement of the three former creditors' committees by the classes of affected parties, also known as CAPs, in safeguard and judicial reorganization proceedings. However, before discussing this major change in more details, there are a few other changes worth mentioning. First, the merger of the previous prepacked versions of Safeguard into one single accelerated Safeguard process. As before, the accelerated Safeguard must be preceded by conciliation proceedings, during which a restructuring agreement likely to garner sufficient support is negotiated. For everyone's benefit, what are conciliation proceedings? It's a type of French amicable pre-insolvency proceedings. Thanks. Back to accelerated safeguard, what stakeholders are affected? The opening of accelerated safeguard proceedings would only impact those parties affected by the plan. In other words, potentially all creditors or only some of them could be affected by the opening of the procedure and the restructuring plan. In a financial restructuring scenario, this means that only financial creditors could be affected, as in the previous financial accelerated safeguard. The draft plan will have to be approved by the CAPS within a maximum of four months. All clear. Are there other changes worth mentioning before diving into the new CAP system? Yes. Let's mention, for instance, the post-money lien, which was initially introduced by the COVID-19 temporary schemes and which is now perpetuated. This French version of the US Chapter 11 deep financing is intended to incentivize stakeholders to provide new money through debt only to fund the financial needs of the debtor, either during the observation period or as part of the restructuring plan. This lien will give the new money providers two advantages in case of subsequent insolvency proceedings. First, they cannot be imposed any debt rescheduling or debt write-off under the restructuring plan. And second, they benefit from a senior ranking in the creditor waterfall. How about the 10-year debt term threat, which has always been seen as a real repellent for foreign stakeholders? This threat of a debt rescheduling imposed by the court no longer applies in safeguard proceedings when creditors are consulted through the CAP system. We anticipate that this change will tend to rebalance the leverage of each stakeholder and for the debtor to have a negotiated exit solution, with the support of all CAPs or only some of them through the cross-class cramdown mechanism. Thank you, Etienne. This makes a perfect transition to what is arguably the most revolutionary aspect of this reform, uh, the consultation of stakeholders through these classes of affected parties or CAPs. So why this change first? This new system is tailored to circumvent two major deficiencies of the previous one, namely the absence of um, distinct treatments between secured and unsecured creditors, and the veto rights of each creditor committee meeting, including the shareholders' meetings, which gave them excessive leverage while being generally out of the money. In other words, the economic approach is now favored. Understood. Now, how does this new consultation system work? In the context of safeguard or judicial reorganization proceedings open with respect to large companies, 
or if so requested by the debtor company. So those stakeholders whose rights are affected by the plan will have to be gathered into caps to the extent they, quote, share a sufficient commonality of economic interests. This applies not only to creditors, but also to shareholders, which will be subject to the same rules. There is a real flexibility in the creation of caps and no limit in their number to the extent the following three core statutory principles are complied with. One, the secured and unsecured creditors shall be split at the real least in two distinct caps. Two, the equity holders are gathered in one or several distinct caps. And three, the split in caps must comply with those subordination agreements entered into prior to the opening of the insolvency. Once the constitution of the caps is finalized, the stakeholders will vote on the draft plan at a two-third majority in value of the claims within each cap as before. The court will be able to endorse the plan in two alternative scenarios. Scenario 1, if all the caps have approved it. And scenario 2, using the new uh, cross-class crown-down mechanism, which is that even if all the caps have not voted in favor of the draft plan, the plan can still be endorsed by the court, provided that at least one class, which is not an equity holder class, nor an out-of-the-money class, has voted in favor of the plan. According to French law, a class that is out of the money is a class which it is reasonable to assume that, quote, based on the valuation of the company as a going concern, it would not be entitled to any payments if the creditor ranking in judicial liquidation proceedings was applied. This cross-class cramdown mechanism is the real novelty. Yes. Without going into too many details, this system aims at imposing a plan on those minority dissenting affected parties within a cap or even a dissenting cap itself, with certain statutory safeguards in place though. In other words, there should no longer be any veto rights of one class, in particular if this class is out of the money, as usually are the shareholders. Can you give us some examples of these statutory safeguards? Sure. I will focus on two of them, which derive from the US Chapter 11 process. The first one is known as the best interest test, which is used to ensure that those dissenting parties within one cap are not too poorly treated. In other words, they should not be in a less favorable situation because of the plan than the one they would have been in in judicial liquidation proceedings or in a better alternative solution if the plan was not validated. This notion of a better alternative solution introduced by French law is yet to be clarified in, in case law though. The second safeguard worth mentioning is the absolute priority rule. This rule applies to a dissenting cap and provides that this dissenting cap shall be fully repaid through identical or equivalent means before any more junior class can be entitled to payment or to retain an interest under the plan. It shall be immediately underlined though that the legislator has introduced a statutory derogation to this rule to the extent it is necessary to meet the purposes of the plan and provided the affected parties are not overly prejudiced under the proposed plan. One can wonder, though, whether the derogation will not become the rule where needed. It will be particularly interesting to see how these tests are applied in practice. That's true. Uh, we're indeed involved in the first restructuring under the new regime, namely the accelerated safeguard of BCM, an alternative distributor of gas and electricity in difficulty. And it was interesting to know that the constitution of the caps was not so much an issue, but the ranking amongst the class 
seemed much trickier. Luckily, in this case, the debtor had secured the support of the KiCats so that there was no real fight around the valuation of the debtor company in particular, which is a rather unknown uh, territory in France. As a final comment, who do you think are the winners of this reform? Mm. That's an easy question. What is clear is that the new regime offers greater flexibility and greater efficiency to impose a plan despite a negative vote of one or more caps, but also raises numerous, numerous legal and valuation uncertainties. All in all, I would say that in the money, secured creditors whose senior ranking is recognized in an intercreditor agreement should be the best place to preserve their rights. It's therefore critical to negotiate from the outset when structuring a deal, an ICA dealing with ranking, priorities, subordination principles or voting arrangements in an insolvency scenario as these agreements are now enforceable um, in, in these proceedings. No doubt that the upcoming restructurings will be key to assess how the new rules will be applied and if not instrumentalized by the practitioners and historically product or courts. Many thanks for listening to this podcast. That's for sure. Many thanks for listening to.